Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. When it comes to nutrition supplements for women, one brand stands above the rest. It's needed. And here's why. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most demanding times in a woman's life. Your health and your baby's health, both now and for years to come, depend on your nutrition. With thousands of options out there, how do you know which is the best? Over 4,000 practitioners recommend Needed's perinatal and women's health supplements. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage, from egg quality support for those trying to conceive, to lactation support for breastfeeding moms, and stress and sleep support for all women, including those in perimenopause or menopause stages. Another great supplement I love that they offer for all women, especially those who are pregnant, is omega-3s. I love that these nutrients work synergistically to support optimal egg health and fertility in mama and optimal brain, nerve, and eye in both mama and baby. You deserve to thrive, not just survive. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code JIPODCAST for an exclusive 20% off your first month of needed products. Maria Marlowe is a certified holistic nutritionist specializing in acne and founder of Kuma, a science-backed ingestible skincare company on a mission to revolutionize how people think about skincare from outside only to inside out. For the past 10 years, Maria has helped thousands of people across the globe improve their health by improving their diet. In her signature 90-day clear skin plan program, she has completely broken down how to get to the root of your acne and clear it naturally and swiftly through diet and lifestyle changes, even when medications have failed. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm really excited for today's guest because she is an expert in the field of acne and how to take care of your skin. And with having teenagers in my house, this is something that is talked about all the time, especially with my daughter. And so I'm really excited to talk to you today. So welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you so much for having me on. Will you tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the skincare industry? Sure. Yeah. So it was a very, not, not a very straight path, but it all kind of goes back to my own acne struggles. So I had acne for about five years, despite trying all of the things I started with the drugstore topicals, the infomercial proactive, then started going to see a dermatologist was prescribed everything from antibiotics to birth control to spironolactone and eventually Accutane or isotretinoin. And I took all these things like over the course of five years and nothing cleared my skin or it would work for a little while. But then as soon as I stopped, the acne would come back. And for a long time, I literally just thought I was cursed with bad skin or bad luck because I couldn't understand. I was doing all of the things I was told to do and my skin was not clearing. So by the time I was prescribed Accutane, I was actually very excited to take it, but I filled the prescription and I was happened to read that piece of paper that stapled to the front with the list of side effects. And one of the side effects was severe depression that could lead to suicide. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, that is pretty serious. And considering all of these other medications I've tried haven't worked, what are the chances this one's going to work? And do I really want to take that chance? Because I was depressed about my skin at the time. I was really upset about it. I would cry about it all the time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to take that risk. So I didn't take it. Fast forward, I was introduced to this concept of food as medicine. 
And at first I thought it was crazy, but I was so desperate that I was like, okay, I'm willing to try anything. Let me try this. Drastically overhauled my diet, worked on repairing my gut health because my gut was also a mess, especially after doing all those antibiotics. And my skin cleared up in about three months. Wow. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? I actually thought it was a miracle from God. I didn't think it was from the food. I was like, there's no way that this worked. So I went back to eating my pizza and chocolate chip cookies and soda and all oh, my favorite wow. foods I was eating. Oh, my my diet was like the typical standard uh, Western diet. And of course, the pimples came back right away. So I could see in the mirror when I eat pizza and cookies and, and candy, my skin breaks out. It's red. It's inflamed. When I eat vegetables and wild salmon and brown rice, the redness goes down, the bumps go down, it starts looking clearer. So for me to see that in the mirror, I was like, wow, it must, it must actually be the food. So that is what set me on this journey to study cooking and to study nutrition and really devote myself to helping people clear their skin naturally through diet and lifestyle changes. Wow. I love it. I love your story that you found solutions through food. That's incredible. So I have so many followers that their kids deal with acne. It is a question that I'm asked all the time. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic. So maybe we just start like at the basics with what is acne and what's causing this acne? Acne is a chronic inflammatory disorder that affects the skin and it results in pimples on the face. Uh, it could also be on the chest and back or the trunk. And it was commonly thought to really be a disorder of teenagers, mm -hmm. but nowadays it's more and more common for adults to also have acne. So you could really have acne at any age. Um, babies could have acne or, or children could have acne. Adults can have acne, 20s, 30s, 40s, um, 50s. People are still breaking out. So what's going on? When I was growing up and when I had acne, what we heard all the time was that acne is caused by bacteria. Acne is caused by, it was called P. acnes bacteria at the time. I remember reading about it in all my magazines. Uh, it's recently been renamed C. acnes bacteria. And all of the acne treatments or the majority of acne treatments were all set on killing this acne-causing bacteria. And that's why, for example, even antibiotics are used both topically and internally. And it turns out that this bacteria is really just the scapegoat. So it may play some role in acne, but it's not actually the initial trigger that's starting the acne. Like acne is not an infection. It's not something that you catch. It's not contagious. And it's um, the, the bacteria that we thought was causing acne is actually a commensal or good bacteria. So this is a bacteria that's naturally part of the human skin microbiome. And it's found on clear, healthy skin in basically equal amounts as those who are breaking out. We've also found that you can have acne pimples that don't have that particular bacteria in it. And so more and more evidence since the 1980s has really been mounting that it's not the bacteria that's really causing the acne, it's, it's inflammation. And that's why acne is now considered an inflammatory disorder. It's not considered a bacterial infection. It's not considered like a hormonal imbalance, although hormones are also involved. It is an inflammatory disorder. So inflammation is really that root cause. And in terms of what creates the inflammation, it's dietary and lifestyle factors, typically stress, you know, nutrient deficiencies, eating too many processed foods, those sorts of things, gut issues, hormone issues. These are really the root. So bacteria may play a role in acne, but it's not really the bacteria that we need to go after. It's the inflammation. 
Oh, that is really interesting. Okay, but what about hormonal issues? Hormonal issues, I know, can be due to inflammation. So is inflammation really the root cause then, and it's not really hormonal? Yeah, no. So hormones absolutely play a role in acne, and you could have a hormonal imbalance. So not everyone who has acne has a hormonal imbalance. Some people will. So for example, excess androgens in women, that is associated with increased increased risk of acne. But sometimes people will be like, I have hormonal breakouts. I got my hormones tested, and they're completely fine. So the hormones play a role but it's still, it's ultimately the inflammation that is that primary trigger that's setting off the chain of events. And with the hormones, the one thing that I always tell people is that hormones are messengers. So your hormones are not actually the problem. It's the habits causing them to become unbalanced. That's really the problem. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good thought. Okay, so you talk about six factors that drive acne that maybe doctors are overlooking. And so what are those six factors? First, nutrient deficiencies. There is plenty of science to suggest that various nutrient deficiencies increase your risk of acne, notably vitamin A, omega-3, zinc, and vitamin D. There are others, but those are really the primary ones, and they can actually be pretty common, especially in places where we're consuming a more standard Western diet. Uh, these, These nutrients could be lacking. And typically, the worse the deficiency, the worse the severity of acne. Secondly, a high glycemic low diet or pro-inflammatory diet, this can absolutely encourage acne. And some, some doctors will talk about sugar and refined carbohydrates. They will mention that because there is quite a lot of data on the association between a high glycemic low diet or a high sugar diet and an increased risk of acne. But sometimes they stop short or they'll only focus on sugar. And Refined carbohydrates are not only sweet things. So you could have a high glycemic load diet without ever eating dessert. If you're eating cereal for breakfast, a sandwich for lunch, pretzels for a snack, and then pasta for dinner, even though these things are all savory, they're all refined carbohydrates. So if you're not consuming adequate fiber and adequate protein, this could be contributing to blood sugar imbalances. And we know when we consume excess refined carbohydrates. This increases our blood sugar, increases our insulin and IGF-1. And this actually causes our skin to produce more oil. So I always like to say oily skin is not a type of skin. It's a state of skin that's heavily influenced by our diet and lifestyle. And so consuming these foods can actually make you more prone to acne. Another factor, really, really key factor is gut imbalances. So the research shows that people with acne tend to have less microbial diversity in their gut microbiome. They tend to lack lactobacillus and bifidobacteria strains Mm -hmm. of bacteria, and they may be more likely to have increased intestinal permeability. All of these things contribute to inflammation. And as I mentioned earlier, acne is an inflammatory disorder. So really the way that you're going to clear acne for good is making sure that your inflammation is low and that you don't have chronic inflammation. So starting with the gut is a really, really great place to start. Uh, Another contributing factor to to acne is, of course, hormonal imbalances, which doctors, you know, they will typically acknowledge and, and try to solve. But the way that they're solving it is by trying to manipulate the hormones versus asking the question, why are the hormones imbalanced? Because the hormones are messengers, they're just responding to the environment. So to give you an example, a common hormonal imbalance amongst people with acne is high androgens in women or high male hormones in women. And not everyone that has acne will have this, but some people do. 
And one of the primary causes of excess androgens in women is consuming a high glycemic load diet. So simply reducing the glycemic load and even adding more fiber, that's another contributing factor. Uh, with the hormones, it's quite interesting. Hormonal imbalances can actually also start in the gut. The way that we remove excess hormones is through the stool. And if you're constipated, then those excess hormones can actually get reabsorbed back into your bloodstream, contributing to imbalance. So keeping your blood sugar stable and making sure you're eliminating daily is, you know, those are two really great ways to start to help bring your hormones back to balance. And another factor would be stress. Stress, again, some doctors will mention it, but I think we don't put enough emphasis on it because stress really can break you out. And what the research so shows is that negative thoughts such as fear, worry, doubt, they can actually trigger changes in your gut microbiome. So we talked about mm. that gut dysbiosis earlier. Stress can cause that. Many things can cause that, but stress is one of them. And that creates inflammation. So stress is a big one. And really for someone who says, oh, but I eat so healthy, I don't understand why I'm breaking out. What is your stress level? And how are you really handling stress? Because a lot of us think like, oh, we're still standing, we're still functioning. So the stress is not affecting us when internally it is causing a lot of havoc. And then just the last one is overly harsh skincare. So if you're over cleansing and you're using too many actives, you can just be disrupting your skin barrier, making your skin more sensitive, more inflamed, more red. So cutting back and using more gentle skincare, I think is really the way to go and allowing your diet and lifestyle to really do the heavy lifting of clearing your skin. This is also interesting because I'm thinking to myself, Okay, teenagers are usually the ones dealing with acne the most. I mean, like you mm -hmm. said, you can deal with it in the 20s, 30s. But most teenagers lack omega-3 because of the diet they're eating. They're not having the avocados and the salmon and, you know, all the omega-3 rich things. They're chia seeds and things. And so I'm like, yeah, a lot of teenagers are dealing with like depression and anxiety. And some of it's because of not having omega-3s. And so to correlate that with the skin is really fascinating to me. And it makes sense that they're just eating a high glycemic index diet all day long. You know, the crackers, the chips, the pretzels, all that stuff that you said. So this is really fascinating to me. So if we have like parents listening, they're like, okay, where do I even start with this? So yes, I think starting with a nutrient dense diet is a great place to start. So the two key, or I guess low hanging fruit, one would be focusing on what to add in, adding in enough fiber, enough fruits and vegetables, because these are also typically lacking, not all the times, but in a lot of young, young people's diets. I know in mine, I, the only vegetables I ate were French fries and tomato sauce on pizza, probably until I was 18. Yep, so I get it. Um, and actually my nephew who's nine, he tells me he's allergic to anything that's green. Oh, so that's he hilarious. He's, he's, he's allergic to it. So I get it. But adding in fruits and vegetables, adding in enough fiber to help with the regularity. So that's like one place to start. And there's all these different recipes where you can kind of sneak the veggies in. You could make like different sort of hash browns and like little yummy things like little chicken nuggets and things, but like adding in vegetables and things to them or burgers, veggie burgers. So that's one thing I would focus on. The second thing I'd focus on is keeping blood sugar more stable and reducing the refined carbohydrates as much as you can. You know, the baked goods, that's a big one. So instead of having refined carbohydrates, switching more to 
like whole grains and whole carbohydrates looking, for example, let's take pasta. You could have regular pasta or you could try a bean or lentil pasta, which is higher protein, higher fiber. Uh, and then on top of that pasta, don't just eat the pasta by itself with some tomato sauce, maybe make it pasta primavera, add some veggies on there, add some protein, have some grilled chicken or some salmon or whatever it is to make it a complete meal and to help keep your the blood sugar more balanced when you're eating it. So just some tips, some easy tips, no naked carbs. So when you are going to eat something refined carbohydrate, don't have it on its own, like just a bowl of pasta or just a bowl of white rice. Put protein, fiber, and fat on there. Consume those first. That's going to help to keep your blood sugar more stable. Uh, and then simply also walking after meals. If you can get into the habit of doing that, at least maybe after dinner, walking for 10 to 15 minutes can help with uh, balanced blood sugar. And then just last thing, like you mentioned, omega-3 is a big one because it's not found in many foods. It's primarily found in seafood and in seeds like flaxseed, chia seed, hemp seed. And most people are not eating those foods on a regular basis. So trying to incorporate more fatty fish like the wild salmon, anchovies, sardines into the diet um, and perhaps even adding the flaxseed, chia, hemp seeds to whatever bowls that you're making. I use flaxseed sometimes as a crust to like bread things. Things. Like instead of using breadcrumbs, I'll use flaxseed with a bunch of spices to bread either chicken or tofu or whatever I'm making. Oh, yum. Okay, this is so interesting because I just had a guest on a couple weeks ago about keeping blood sugar levels balanced for people to lose weight. And so I know it's really trendy on social media right now to talk about blood sugar imbalances and trying to keep those levels balanced. And all the times that I've seen it on social media, I've never once seen it related to skincare and how it affects oh, your skin. Yeah. So this is actually really interesting to me. Yeah, 100%. Yes, I know. And I, I love that blood sugar talk is becoming uh, popular and trendy and people are becoming more mindful of it. One of the most interesting experiments I've done personally is wearing a continuous glucose monitor. So you can get them now. There's a ton of companies that have it and it really tracks so you can see exactly how foods are impacting you in real time. But I will say something that most interesting thing that I learned from wearing a continuous glucose monitor was that my blood sugar spiked the most when I got into a fight with my husband. Oh, and interesting. Was, yeah. The stress. And he, yeah, it was the stress. And what made me even more mad was he was also wearing a continuous glucose monitor and his blood sugar didn't go up. Oh, that's so, so interesting. <laughs> well, but yeah. So, so stress also affects your blood sugar. Uh, so yeah, it's blood sugar. It's quite, it's quite interesting. And I love that it's becoming, you know, more talked about. Well, and I love that it's related to the skin. That's something that we need to actually get out there and let people know. Because if I ask my daughter, my 17 year old, who thinks she knows everything about acne, because she's reading everything, watching all these TikToks. If I asked her about blood sugar levels, I don't think she would know that. So this is great info that you're getting out there. Yeah, she's got to watch my TikTok. I talk about it on mine. All so. right, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so another thing that I find fascinating is I talk about the gut-brain access all the time because I talk about depression or anxiety, things like that, and how that's connected to the gut. But you talk about the gut-skin connection. And so you touched upon that just a little bit, but... 
that is a true connection, right? The gut skin connection. Yeah. So actually all three, all three organs, the gut, the brain and the skin, they're all connected. So when we're in utero, these three organs are actually stemming from the same tissue. And as we mature and get older, there's just this connection. It's a two-way street between all three organs. They're always in constant communication. And what happens in one affects the other. So as it relates to acne in particular, the science shows the stressful thoughts, which originate in the brain, they're creating changes in the gut, the gut microbiome. They could be making the intestinal lining more permeable. They can be contributing to inflammation, right? Because they're causing these gut changes. And then the inflammation that's starting in the gut ends up as inflammation of the skin. So it's really important when we are dealing with acne that we're focusing on the gut health and the stress. And that's where probiotics can really come in. They can help to kind of shut off this stress inflammation, acne cycle by helping to reseed that gut with good bacteria that are going to keep inflammation levels low. They're going to help to strengthen the gut lining and help to keep the skin more clear. So interesting. And actually, I was just going to ask you about probiotics, prebiotics. So if people are struggling with acne, do you suggest that they take a probiotic or prebiotic? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So what the research shows is that acne patients tend to lack enough good bacteria in their gut, specifically the lactobacillus and bifidobacteria strains. They tend to not have good microbial diversity in their gut. They may have higher levels of bad bacteria in the gut or opportunistic bacteria in the gut, and their lining may be more leaky. So Probiotics can help with all these things. In particular, the strain L-Ramnosis SP1, that's been found to be beneficial in clinical studies to actually reduce acne. L-Acidophilus has also been uh, helpful for acne. Those, I would say, are, are two of the main ones. So probiotics are definitely incredibly, incredibly important. Okay, that's good to know. So I'm curious, though, because it's sort of a trendy thing right now to have skincare products with probiotics in them. Is that beneficial as well? Yes, uh, topical probiotics can also be beneficial, but we know that the inflammation is primarily coming from the inside. It's coming from chronic inflammation inside the body, which is stemming from the gut. So you want to have that two-pronged approach. We still need skincare 100%. We still need to worry about the outside, but we also need to address our skin from the inside. So I hear dermatologists debate this. And some say, oh, cut out dairy. No, you don't need to cut out dairy. Cut out gluten. Oh, no, you don't need to cut out gluten. So thoughts on cutting out dairy and gluten for acne? So dairy is like sugar, one of the foods that's very well researched in terms of its association with acne. And they've done so many studies on dairy, and I'm talking tens of thousands of people, collectively hundreds of thousands of people. And the research generally indicates that the more dairy someone consumes, the higher risk of acne. So removing dairy is one of those things that I feel like in terms of acne is pretty well uh, agreed upon that dairy does contribute to acne and it's best removed. So if you have acne and you consume a lot of dairy, you can just do an experiment on yourself where you remove it for two to four weeks and then introduce it again and see what happens. Does your skin clear up and does it flare when you add it back in? Um, But that said, dairy is not the only thing. So sometimes people will say, well, oh, I cut out dairy, but my skin didn't clear up. 
But if you're still consuming soda and refined carbohydrates at every meal and not eating enough protein and not eating enough omega-3, it's may not make a big difference. You want to address the whole, you know, the whole body, the whole picture. Uh, it's not really just like one food or one thing. Typically, that's going to move the needle. It's everything collect- collectively. It's not just what you take out, but it's also what you add back in. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm assuming, is that the same with gluten and sugar? I would say sugar and dairy are the the two types of food that are pretty universally acknowledged to contribute to acne. So even the American Academy of Dermatology, you can go to their website, they acknowledge that there is a pretty well-established link between dairy and acne and, and sugar and refined carbohydrates and acne. In terms of gluten, so gluten can be pro-inflammatory for many people. And what we know is that gluten can increase intestinal permeability. Now, each of us is going to respond to gluten a little bit differently, but the fact remains that when we ingest gluten, it can increase intestinal permeability. Just for some people, it will be worse than others. So some people are more sensitive than others. So if the gut lining is becoming more permeable, this is creating more inflammation in the body. And inflammation is the root cause of acne. So we want to stop that source of inflammation. So removing gluten can be beneficial for a lot of people as well. Okay. Thank you for explaining all of that about foods and diet. And I found this really interesting. So years ago, One of my kids was dealing with acne and we went to the dermatologist and I was asking about all these diet things and the dermatologist was like, oh, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that. It's just the bacteria on the face. So I just want to say to listeners, like if you find a dermatologist like that, it's okay to say thank you for your time and move on and find someone that's maybe more current in their research. And so that's what we did. So thank you for saying that it's in research because I've seen it in the research and it's there. So, you know, listening to people that know the current research. Yeah. And and that's the thing. There is a lot of research, which is why it is very frustrating. I mean, I think dermatologists are are well-intentioned, but they're not taught, like they're not really taught anything about nutrition. And even in terms of the food guidelines with dairy and sugar, they're not really encouraged to, you know, tell their patients about these things or, or anything but beyond the dairy and sugar, I should say. So I think that's, yeah, it's it's important to do your own research, especially like be your own experiment, right? You you can tell, like I have so many people that are like, I've been on antibiotics three times and my acne keeps coming back. I've been on Accutane three times and my acne keeps coming back. Like w- once you get to that point, you have to understand that like that conventional way of doing things is not really working and it's, it's really time to get to the root cause. The root cause, exactly. Okay, so we've talked about diet, you've talked about stress, but I'm curious, does sleep play a role in acne as well? It can, because if we're not sleeping enough, we're stressed and it's throwing our hormones out of whack. So definitely getting enough sleep can be beneficial and uh, reducing our stress levels overall is important. And also if we're not sleeping enough, that can also make you more hungry. You're more, you're going to be craving carbohydrates, um, eating more like higher refined uh, carbohydrate foods, contributing to the blood sugar imbalance. So uh, definitely prioritizing sleep is helpful. That makes sense. Okay. One of your six factors, you said your last one to not use overly harsh products. Is it possible to wash your face too much or use too many products? For sure. Yeah. You can definitely overwash your face. The thing is we need oil on our skin. This is another, like, like bacteria, we've become so scared of oil on our skin because we think the oil is clogging our pores and it's contributing to breakouts. But oil is like the three little bears. You don't want too much and you don't want too little. You want just the right amount. And 
a lot of these acne products are too harsh and they're stripping all of the oil off your skin. And so what happens is if you feel after you wash your face that it's tight and dry and you can just feel it like you feel it like cracking almost, it's, it's too drying for your skin. And what's going to happen is your skin is going to produce more oil to overcompensate for that loss of oil. So it ends up backfiring and actually creating more oil over time. So using more gentle, natural products that are going to remove the excess but not remove all of the oil are more suitable for acne-prone skin. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so is it a must that you wash your face every morning and night? I'm not a fan of washing the face in the morning because what were you doing when you were sleeping? Nothing. There's no dirt on there, you know? Um, If you go to sleep with a clean face, you should wake up with a clean face. So I don't think it's necessary uh, because, again, that overwashing can just disrupt your skin barrier and microbiome. Like, your skin knows what to do. Your skin knows how to heal itself if we just leave it alone, largely. But at night, yes, definitely wanna wash your face at night. Even if you haven't worn makeup, I would say you'd still wanna wash it because the pollution and maybe you have sunscreen on or whatever else. So it is important to wash at the end of the night. But again, you know, a gentle skincare routine, you don't necessarily need a 10-step skincare routine. I think the gentler, the better. Okay, so good to know. So I actually wanna ask you about some myths because you see so much out there on social media and Some is true, some is not. But let's actually talk about some of these myths that are common. This one you touched upon a little bit, but we're going to talk about it again. The myth that oily skin is a type of skin. Explain that one. False. Oily skin is a state of skin. It's not a type of skin. Same with dry skin. Dry skin is not a type of skin. It's a state of skin. And the oiliness and dryness of your skin is heavily influenced by diet and lifestyle factors. So for example, in the case of oily skin, we know that consuming excess refined carbohydrates can increase the oil production. We also know that high levels of the stress hormone cortisol also increases our oil production. So stress can break you out and can cause your pores or or your sebaceous glands to produce more oil clogging your pores. So if you can reduce the stress, if you can keep your blood sugar more stable, eat a nutrient dense diet, this can actually make your skin less oily. And I have clients that are shocked, like some of the before and afters within just eight weeks, you can see in the photos, their skin is very, very oily and shiny on the first day. And by the sixth to eighth week, their skin is normal. It's no longer considered oily anymore. And it's just from changing their diet. That's good to know. It's eight weeks. So Do you say it's always about eight weeks? Because there is a myth out there that food changes will take forever. Like they'll take months and months before you see anything happen to your skin. No way. You can see results right away. I actually have this three-day plan, like a clear skin starter kit that's free on my website. That's just three days of anti-inflammatory low glycemic recipes. And you'll see the results in three days. It's not going to miraculously cure your skin completely, but you'll start to see the redness go down. You'll start to see the bumps go down. And generally, it depends on how the state of your skin, what your current diet and lifestyle is, the state of your gut health, like where you're starting from, and how closely you're following the the healthy food guidelines. Um, That's all going to determine how quickly or slowly your skin responds. But generally, I would say anywhere between one to three months is typical how long it takes to have substantial, if not full clearance for most people. Oh, that's really good to know. Okay, so let's talk about sun exposure, because some people say go out there and tan and it'll clear up your acne. So is it a myth? Is it true? 
So this is another uh, one of those three little bear things where we want just the right amount of sun, not too little, not too much. If we don't get enough sun, we're not getting enough vitamin D. And we know how important vitamin D is, not just for our immune health, but also for our hormonal health and even our skin health. And acne patients are more likely to be deficient in vitamin D than healthy controls. So we do want some sun, but we don't want too much. If you do get too much sun, that can actually also contribute to that post-acne hyperpigmentation. So you just want to be careful of that because that I know is sometimes more stressful than the acne itself because sometimes those marks can last for a really long time. Um, So you just want to be careful with that and not have too much. And I think the sun can be beneficial for the skin, but it's the vitamin D is contributing to it. And then also when you think about a day in the sun, it's a fun day. It's a carefree day. You're having fun at the beach with your friends. You're reading a book. You're relaxing. You're reducing your stress. So that's also helping, you know, with the skin. Okay, so talking about the sun, do you like sun facial sunscreens or you think the face should get some of just the pure sun? I do a little bit of both. I don't think that we necessarily, I know this is counter to what a lot of people would say, I don't think we need to have sunscreen on our entire body like all of the time. And I will go out without sunscreen quite frequently. But if you're going to be spending a day in the sun, for example, then I I would do it because as I get older and I start to get freckles and things, the the sun's definitely, you know, leaving its mark, but it's a matter of finding that balance. Like you should give your skin some time in the sun without sunscreen. And it's really going to depend on your skin type. Okay. That's good to know. That's what I usually say. Like when we just are out playing, they don't have sunscreen on. My kids don't, I don't, but if we're boating, if we're out there swimming for hours, of course we have the sunscreen on. Okay. But talking about like sunscreen for the face or other makeup products for the face, it gets so confusing out there as to like, don't use these products or use these products. These will clog your pores. These don't. So what do you look for in the skincare stuff out there? Well, for skincare in particular, I like to look for natural ingredients and the less ingredients, the better. You do want to be careful with oils. Sometimes I'll see like people putting coconut oil on their face and maybe for some people it's fine, but coconut oil is comedogenic for some some people, many people. So you want to just be careful in terms of oils. Jojoba oil is my favorite. I think that one's really gentle on the skin and it's not going to clog pores. So using jojoba oil in skincare is great. I love tea tree oil for a spot treatment. And in terms of makeup, you'll often see non-comedogenic makeup and pretty much all makeup is tested. But the thing is, it's different for every person. So if you put a new makeup on and you your skin is clear in the morning and then you notice when you take it off at night, you have some pimples, then it may be comedogenic for you. So just the way coconut oil is comedogenic for some people, but not all people, same thing with makeup. So you have to kind of test it yourself and see if it's actually comedogenic, but there are a ton of great natural makeup brands out there. What I will say for acne is that the natural brands, although I love them, they don't always have great coverage. So if you do want to cover something up, they may not be the best option, but you can find like a regular, I find uh, IT cosmetics, they have really nice coverage and they seem to be well tolerated by people. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Talking about all of these, what's your thought though on retinol to help with things on the face? I'm not, I'm not a fan personally. I know a lot of people love it and swear by it, but I think anytime that we're trying to damage the skin to make it do what we want, um, it's not a great thing. I think that I always go the gentler, the better. So I don't want my skin to peel off, right? Because we're so scared of getting a sunburn and our skin peeling off, but then we're using topicals that cause our skin to peel off, right? And that, that damage the skin. So I prefer Bakuchiol which is a natural retinol alternative, which is also pregnancy safe and is really 
just as effective, but doesn't have the negative side effects. Oh, I've never actually heard of that. Where would someone find that? Uh, you can find it in, in plenty of natural skincare brands. Um, okay. they'll, they'll be using, yeah, yeah, this ingredient. Okay. So now you're the founder of Kuma, correct? So yes. tell my listeners what that is. So Kuma is a company I started less than a year ago, but based on really my over a decade of experience helping people with acne. And it's a probiotic company because I, I've seen personally and with my clients that restoring gut health is really key to restoring skin health. And because of all this data and science on the gut gut skin connection and the role of gut health and acne, I wanted to create a product that was going to provide those lactobacillus and bifidobacteria strains that acne patients are commonly lacking. So we have one product, it's called Globiome. It's a probiotic plus prebiotic that's specifically formulated for acne prone skin. And we've actually done a clinical trial on it. And in 12 weeks, it's reducing excess oil by 35%. 80% of participants reported less frequent and less severe breakouts. And it's also increasing skin hydration by about 41%. Wow. And, and on top of that, the, the I like to call it the side benefits are that also improved digestion, less bloating, improved regularity. And yeah, I, I just find the probiotic and skin connection just like very fascinating. And uh, the results really speak for themselves. Well, that's fascinating. Good for you. So where can my listeners buy this, find this? Where would they learn more about it? Yeah, so for Glow Biome, you can find it on our website. It's kumaglow.co, K-U-M-A-G-L-O-W.co. And then if you want just healthy, clear skin recipes and more information on eating and lifestyle for acne, you can check out my website, which is mariamarlo.com. It's M-A-R-I-A-M-A-R-L-O-W-E. And then of course, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, uh, all, all the social media channels as well. Perfect. Thank you. As we wrap up here, I know there are teenagers out there that are so frustrated with their acne situation who claim they have tried everything out there that people suggest. For instance, years ago, I remember my son even drinking aloe vera juice because he was hoping that would clear up his acne. You know what I mean? So I know there's frustrated people out there. So what final like tips or advice do you give these people that are just struggling who just think like, no, I'm doomed with this. I've tried everything. You are not doomed. I've been in your shoes and I promise you it gets better. Your skin and your body is incredibly resilient. And I know it doesn't seem this way now, but acne is actually a blessing in disguise because it's alerting you to the inflammation within, the inflammation and imbalances within. So unfortunately, the media and, and the common way of addressing acne is really just going after the symptoms, but not the root cause, which is why it can be very, very confusing. But if you're willing to do a little bit more research and dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that diet and lifestyle play a ginormous role in acne and skin health. And by adopting healthier diet and lifestyle habits, you can really make a huge impact, not just on your skin, but your overall health really for the rest of your life. I absolutely love that you say it's a blessing in disguise, because when you said that at first, I was like, oh, I'm really curious to see how this is a blessing because it doesn't seem (laughs) like it when you have acne. But I love what you said. It truly is a blessing in disguise because it's warning you that inflammation is going on in your body. And inflammation can be the root cause to some major issues, much more than acne. I mean, even suicidal depression and terrible anxiety, but so many other autoimmune issues out there, inflammation is the root cause. And even cancer inflammation can play a part. And so 
you're really right that this is just like an early warning sign of, hey, maybe get your diet and lifestyle in order. So thank you for that thought. Yeah. And what I always tell people is some people are actually not as lucky because when you have acne on your face, you're very highly motivated to get rid of it. But a lot of people, they have inflammation in the body, but it's not showing up on their skin. It's internal and it's silent and they're not finding out until it's too late, until they get a scarier diagnosis. And so acne, yeah, I know I know it doesn't seem that way and I know how hard it is, but you, you can get through it and just use it as a launch point to really explore your own body, your own health, your own habits. And I think it can be really a turning point in a positive direction. Well, thank you so much for being here today. You have just given me a lot of little nuggets of info that are new to me that I'm like, oh, that's actually really good to think about. So thank you for being here. I know the listeners have learned quite a bit. I always end my podcast with asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? A hundred percent. I would say family and friends that feel like family. That's really the key to a healthy, happy life. And Food makes such a huge difference. It really does. Reducing your stress makes such a huge difference. But ultimately, it's our relationships that I think are going to help and support us the most throughout our life. Oh, I love that so much. Someone asked me that question, the same question, because I did my own 100th episode. And it was so hard to come up with an ingredient. But I did say family as well, because they just help you get through the really hard times. So thank you again for being here. And you guys go follow Maria if you want more tips. Like you've heard today, she's given us amazing advice, amazing tips. So go follow her. And thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.